This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9 is Cruise Control. My name is Ali Johan. Tonight, I'm with our Chief Automotive Specialist, Mr. Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you for welcoming me as uh, Chief Automotive. I'm just <laughs> a car enthusiast that loves cars, whether it's battery-powered, gasoline-powered, or even diesel-powered. You've been out of the country. You've been to see some electric vehicle factories out there. How has it been? It's been hectic. Uh, I'm not a big fan of travelling for the last few years simply because, you know, I'm getting old lime. But this time, I had to go because why? It was all about electric cars. And I want to learn. I want to understand. I want to see what's coming next. I know what's here, but I'm more interested about what's coming next because they are promising greater driving range, smaller batteries, more powerful motors and faster charging time, which makes electric car ownership even more interesting in the next two to three years. Okay, okay. Rare to hear you speak so fondly of uh, the way forward with electric vehicles and all of that. <laughs> we have to go with the times, Ali. And as it gets more common around the world, cost of production gets lower, maintenance parts all gets lower. Then it makes a lot of sense to migrate to an electric car. I'm not saying don't do it now. If you do it now, as with anything technology, an early adopter pays for the research and development cost mm. of the generation model, no? Yeah, well, we got a lot to get through with uh, launches locally and as well as some global launches. Towards the end of the program, we're going to discuss something um, that you have been uh, uh, observing with motoring journalists and, you know, the, the motoring scene in Malaysia. We'll get to that in a bit, but let's get through some headlines first. A lot of big news in the local, uh, as far as local launches go. Smart Malaysia recently announced their flagship Smart Hashtag One Brabus model. This is at the opening day of the International Electric Mobility Showcase. The first all-electric vehicle born from the Gili Mercedes-Benz partnership, right? Yes, it is. And just to add a little bit to what you said earlier, you can also view the Smart Electric Car at selected Hapseng Star Showrooms, which is also a Mercedes-Benz dealer, mm-hmm. and also some Proton ADA showroom, some, okay? Mm. Let's not get confused. This is not a Proton product. This is not badged as a Proton. This is purely Mercedes-Benz and Geely working together because Smart is a product initiated by Mercedes-Benz uh, Germany many years ago, small, little, compact, uh, petrol-powered vehicles. Then they went a little bit, you know, they went a bit silent in, in this region. They were still producing in in Europe, new models and everything else. Now they've partnered with Geely to produce electric vehicles. So the Smart Hashtag One Brabus is just the highest variant of Smart Hashtag One. The car is called Smart Hashtag One. That's the model number. Mm. Now there are three variants. One of the variants is called Brabus, which we're talking about here. Now I want people to understand this. Brabus used to be a private tuning house just for Mercedes-Benz based in Bottrop, Germany. It was owned by a guy called Bodo Bushman. He later became so popular with his tuning, Mercedes took a little bit of share with Brabus because they did fantastic tuning with the petrol vehicles. And now Brabus is part of the Mercedes-Benz family, just like AMG, you know? So with the electric cars, they have incorporated Brabus version. This means it's a performance version. Now, of course, it's not petrol powered, it's battery powered. So the tuning is done differently. The, the, the motors are different. 
just to give it that whole performance edge. You get what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So that's why they use the Brabus name. So of course, you get different set of rims, you get different color combinations, you get the Brabus, um, uh, you know, branding on it. And all this is because why? They want to keep that Brabus heritage going. So this car now is in Malaysia, open for sale. Now, let me just share some of the specs. The 0 to 100 acceleration, you know electric cars are fast, but with this, it's 3.9 seconds. Ooh. You get... 315 kilowatts of power delivery, 543 newton meters of torque. Now, for those who are technically minded in, in the world of automotive, this is very decent amount of power delivery in a vehicle that's probably the size of, uh, I would say, um, Toyota Corolla Cross, the same footprint. Hmm. Now, because it's... a it's a collaboration between Mercedes and Geely. We know Geely is very good with electric cars. They've got few electric car brands. Let's not forget they own Volvo, Polestar, Link & Co. And, and of course, you know, uh, Geely itself. Now, that electric car program has been shared. Mm. So you get 400 kilometers of driving range from a 66 kilowatt battery pack, which is pretty decent mm-hmm. for the price. And I'll come to the price later. Yeah. Um, you get DC fast charging, which goes from 10% to 80% in under 30 minutes. Yes, 30 minutes can be long if you're alone. But if you're with a friend or with a smartphone, it'll pass by quite quickly. Now, in terms of price, when this car was first teased, the smart hashtag one vehicle was teased for about a year. The Brabus version for the last six months, they were not just going to take a vehicle from Geely and and Mercedes-Benz and just plonk it into showrooms and sell it. They actually did Malaysia testing, on-the-road testing, to make sure climate control, uh, heat exchange, battery pack, charging times, everything was going smoothly so that they will know that their customers get a very good fuss-free ownership experience. So they may be a little late to the game, as you know, because the others are already in the market. In this price range, you've got a lot of competitors like the Kia EV6, the Hyundai Ioniq. Of course, we've got the BYDs. And then we got the biggest name in the market right now that's causing a lot of Drama, which is Tesla, you know? Yes. So, this smart hashtag one Brabus is targeted at 250,000 ringgit. Okay. The lower version, the non-Brabus version is about 200,000 ringgit. So, of course, people are going to say, hey, Tesla is cheaper. Yes, Tesla is cheaper. Tesla is mass-produced. Can Tesla provide the same build quality, features... Entertainment unit on the inside, interface for the electronic dashboard, and also the driving experience. This is something which I leave it to my listeners, the public, to go out there, test drive, and you decide which one suits you better. So, there we have it. I think finally, we've been waiting for the smart hashtag one to come to Malaysia, and now it's appeared. Even the, the lower base spec at 200000 Very, very competitive pricing though, Daniel. It is a very good pricing, but I think it's going to be a slightly tough sell. Even though it's got that Mercedes branding and the Geely battery system, hmm. there's just too much excitement surrounding the Tesla brand. Right. Okay. So that's smart hashtag one, Brabus model out in uh, Malaysian markets. Late last week, Daniel, you and I saw the launch of this third generation Porsche Cayenne. Yes. 20 years model. It's first introduced in Malaysia in 2003. Now we have this facelifted third gen model locally assembled. Big news last year when, you know, Porsche AG, the HQ, decided that we will allow Malaysia to assemble the Cayenne. First time ever 
a Porsche is being assembled outside of Germany. So that says a lot of uh, a lot of uh, trust in our assembly process and quality and everything else. Mm. Number two, by local assembling it, they brought the price down. This is the best selling Porsche model globally. I think maybe the Macan comes a very close uh, second. The Cayenne name is the is is what saved Porsche many many decades ago. They were in the brink of trouble, financial trouble. Some guys decided, hey, listen, you know, everybody's looking for SUV. Let's build an SUV for sports car owners, Porsche owners, to buy as a second vehicle or upgrade because they're getting older. It's difficult to get in and out of the sports car, you know. <laughs> so when the first Cayenne came, it was big, it was brutish and everything, but it sold like buckets of it was sold out, you know. And then the next generation came out and they had a few variants and boom, it took the world by storm. I mean, till today you walk, doesn't matter which neighborhood you go, whether it's a lower end or a higher end neighborhood, you'll see an older Cayenne or a new Cayenne. That's true. And a lot of people who couldn't afford the new ones were wait, you know, you know, with their hands folded, waiting patiently for the price to drop on the older 15, 20-year-old ones and get a second-hand one <laughs> and, you know, struggle a bit with after sales. But doesn't matter, I have a Porsche Cayenne. You know what I mean, uh, Wow, that's some some appeal for a model that's that long. Yes. So before it was local assembled, it was you know close to seven hundred twenty thousand ringgit. Mm. So after they local assembled, the price came down to just below five hundred thousand, about five fifty, five sixty. Now with this upgrade, newer features, the facelift and everything else, the price is just five nine nine, just a tad below six hundred thousand. Very interesting psychological price point, mm-hmm. and. It's only nine percent higher over the last version, which means if you take in currency and logistics and everything else for the parts to arrive in Malaysia and be assembled, mm. um, that's not a big price hike. Yeah, and considering you know this facelift uh, gives the new Cayenne, it's like a proper facelift, new face, new front grille. It looks a little bit higher with a, a new light position, and then behind as well the new tailgate, a new air quality system, including an ionizer and dust sensors. And, you know, at the launch, we saw you can even prop up a tent on the roof. They have the rails and tents for it for extra charge. But this sort of takes the box for an SUV that you can take outdoors. Uh, You know, you can rough it up. Do you see anyone in Malaysia roughing this up? (laughs) Definitely not. I know it can be roughed up. I've test driven it. I mean, the previous CKD model, I took it to Kuantan. I took it to Charating. I took it up to Trungano. I actually went on the beach. I took it in, in a, a little bit rough terrain, nothing major, but just to see what can be done within limits. And it did the job well. It's a proper four-wheel drive. You can take it. Height. Yeah, it's got the damping and everything else. But that's because it didn't belong to me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Now, if it was my vehicle, there is no way I'm taking it to a beaten track. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That's yeah. number one. Number two, the paint finish on this is so fine. I'm not. I don't want to get any little scratches. You know, a branch scratching as I as I go through the un, underpart. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> And you can see for the average Malaysian because of our taxes, they're paying a lot for this vehicle. They're not going to go off road with it. Even the older ones, the, the second hand ones, you see yeah. on on the market. They're always shiny and clean. Yes, actually, always at the you know, valet parkings of uh, malls in town. Yes, even even if they are fifteen years old, the tire black is on, so it's nice and shiny. The rims are all sparkling. The bumper front guard is clean. The rear, the exhaust guard is all clean. Why? Because they're not going to go off road. There we have it. Uh, a new facelifted third gen Porsche Cayenne. Uh, now in Malaysia, I think still maintaining the same specs, right, Daniel? Three liter V6 turbo engine. And a new price now, just below six hundred thousand. It's a tried and tested engine. You can't go wrong with this engine. And if you look at the shape, I think this is what I would want to get 
seeing as the depreciation will go mm-hmm. um as a retirement car because it won't look at, like it's aged you know yeah we also have this week Mazda 6 uh, which we were anticipating to come to Malaysia because this is also another 20 year old model uh, Mazda 6 first launched in 2003 and Mazda celebrating 20 years of it with a new upgrade to the Mazda 6 Daniel yes so a little bit of history lesson uh, Mazda has been build, building the 6 for years. The 6 nameplate is not new but last time it was called if you remember when you were a small boy because I'm much older mm. there was a Mazda 626. Yes, uh, a bigger version of the 323. Yes, so you had the 323 and <laughs> now you remember you had the 323, the 626, the 929. So this this models were the mainstay sedans for Mazda. So when they when they when they modernized their lineup and they went into a whole revamp with with stylish new cars and all that they they Change the naming from Mazda 6 to from Mazda 6 to 6 to Mazda 6, hmm. Mazda 3 to 3 to Mazda 3. You know. Okay. And then of course the SUVs got the got the the, the naming change to CX, yeah. CX3, CX5, CX6, CX9. You know things like that. Yep. Okay. So the Mazda 6 was something that we spoke about some time ago. Sadly, we we were under an impression that it would be retired from the Malaysian lineup hmm. because. Less people were buying sedans and station wagons, also. And the six had both a sedan and a wagon shape. Yes, station wagon was about two hundred thousand ringgit because it was fully imported, high spec. Sedan was slightly cheaper. Good-looking car, even till today, six seven years old. You look at you look at it on the road. It's it's a handsome vehicle. That's you know? right. Yeah. I would say evergreen, mm-hmm. you know, because they made it very simple yet elegant, and then they made sure the lines, you, you know, it, it flows uh, equally from front to back, you know. So the Mazda 6 has always done well, but unfortunately, people were moving to SUV. So you could tell at at showroom level, people walk into a Mazda showroom to look at the six, and then they see the CX-5 and the CX-8, and they say, "Hey, for the same money, uh, I get SUV, you know, more metal, sitting up higher, bigger wheels." Because ah, uh, yeah, it's got go flood, uh, then uh, I might need an SUV. But what they didn't realize is, if you look at floods happening in Malaysia right now, anywhere, the SUV so gets uh, washed away, you know. The truck also get washed away. The mini buses also get washed away. You know, <laughs> so I think the people are slowly going to come back to sedans. I know we we spoke about it some weeks ago that that Honda retired the Accord sedan yeah. after so long, and there's chatter that Toyota might also retire the Camry. So I'm happy that Mazda has decided to bring back the six to Malaysia. I hope that the Honda Accord will also be given a new lease of life with this news. Right and The Camry will remain in the Toyota lineup in Malaysia. Selling price starts at one hundred and eighty thousand, so that that is only for the sedan version. So we don't know whether the the, the wagon will come. We hope it'll come. Right. Um. You get five years uh, manufacturer's warranty and five years free maintenance uh, from the manufacturer. So you know that it's uh, a solid uh, warranty package. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope it'll just you know reignite the sedan market in Malaysia. Awesome. All right. So that's all the local launch that we've had so far in this week. Uh, we're going to come back with some global launches and a quick discussion about ICE cars and motor journalists. All right here on Cruise Control, BFM 89.9. BFM 
FM 89.9 is Cruise Control. I'm Ali Johan together with Daniel Fernandez. Thank you for sticking with us. Looking overseas, looking at the global launches this week, BMW launched a new and improved X2 sports activity coupe. It's not quite an SUV, Daniel. Well, I don't know if you remember this, but maybe two months ago, we did a used car review of the first ever X2. Yes. Now, the X2 was a brand new product from BMW a few years ago. And when it came out, boom, it was good looking, you know? Yeah. It was a crossover that many people wanted. Sadly, because it was such a niche product, it was fully imported and it was just too expensive. So you don't see many on the road. Mm. And even at that time, I did the used car review simply because uh, somebody was looking for something interesting, something different, something exciting to buy. And, you know, it was, you know, you know, the term out of sight, out of mind. So we didn't think about X2 until the last moment, just before we made a decision to buy something else. We noticed the X2 on the road. There was one on the road because they came in a very nice gold color. Mm. And I, I, I told her, I said, why didn't you look at X2? And of course, you know, she immediately said, I've never thought about this. Test drove one, loved it, bought it. Uh, price was about half of what it was originally launched for, which is about 300000 It was a good buy. I mean, she's had it now for a couple of months. No complaints. She loves it. She loves the fact that a lot of people are taking notice of her and saying, hey, you drive a really nice car. Hey, is this a new BMW? Because they don't see so many on the road. They think, hey, it's all new, you know? Yeah. So we did not know if BMW was going to reignite the X2 nameplate with a new model because it was already a few years old. Suddenly news came, hey, new X2. So we looked at it. Oh, yeah. It just doesn't look as good as the first one. Hmm. In fact, I looked at it and I said, this looks, you know, if I take away the badge, it could be anything from Korea or even China. Right, I see what and, you mean. And I'm not saying Korea or China has bad design cars. It's just that, you know, it's not BMW, you know. Powertrain is matched with the X1. And the new X1 is really handsome looking. I mean, for me, I, I, I like the way it looks. Right. But the X3 looks different. I won't say much. But the X2 just doesn't seem to fit in. Mm. Now, if it comes to Malaysia, it'll be fully imported again. It's going to be expensive. I can see a lot of people saying, hey, you know, I might as well just buy the X1 because it's far better looking. There will be a few people who are willing to pay a little bit more for something unusual, just like how my friend bought a, a X2 second-hand one, which is higher than the X1 and X3 in the used car market, you know? Right, okay, okay. So some people will still say yes. But can you get enough people to make a business case out of it? Mm. I'm sure BMW Malaysia will bring it in. And, you know, it's got some very interesting drivetrain options, um, which is shared with the X1 and X3. Powerful 2-litre turbocharged petrol engine, 317 horsepower, 5.4 seconds. I mean, you got the diesel version, of course. And why do they have a diesel version? Because there are still countries out there who want diesel-powered BMWs. Right, right. Uh, so, so you see, the fact that, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, we all, a lot of car companies are saying, oh, we're going electric, especially the Europeans. We're going electric, we're going electric. Why are they still keeping that diesel option available? Because certain countries, especially South America, South Africa, uh, part of ASEAN countries, there's still a need for diesel vehicles because diesel fuel is cheaper these vehicles can go a greater distance on diesel fuel. Economy of scale is there. Plus, they're powerful. Interesting variants, actually, that they've put out there for the yes. new X2. It's manufactured at BMW's Regensburg plant, which is also right. where they make the battery pack for their iX cars. So, right. along with the new X2, they've also announced the EV version called the iX2, which is Correct. technically the same car with an electric engine. These are the, you know, uh, European spec vehicles. We'll have to wait and see whether when they come to Malaysia, they'll have the same outputs or there'll be slight changes. Because 
uh, fuel quality has has changed. Uh, the injector system has changed. Uh, you won't get the same brake horsepower or torque figures. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so looking forward, uh, that's the new BMW X2 out there in the global market, uh, along with the iX2, which also entering the market in in the EV segment. And we're still sticking on EVs with this ultra-luxury brand here, uh, the Mercedes Maybach EQS 680. This is in the same league as Bentleys and Rolls Royces, right, uh, Daniel? Yes. So when Mercedes decided to go into a, a higher premium market, for example... Toyota had Lexus, Honda had Acura, okay? So Mercedes, already a premium brand, said, no, I want to go one level up because there are some brands claiming to be higher than me. <laughs> For example, when Mercedes had an S-Class, the S-Class is the ultimate Benz. Of course, Bentley said, oh, we are higher up. Jaguar said, hmm, we are even higher. And then also I said, hmm, I'm right on top, you know? Right. So Mercedes said, okay, you want to play the game? Fine. I will create a new sub-brand and make it super luxury and I'll call it Maybach. And then they said, oh, no, 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 we're still a little bit higher. Anyway, this is something they can play in their own little realm, you know? <laughs> right. But Maybach is the ultimate Mercedes brand's luxury vehicle. So they don't come out with a lot of models. They're very selective about the models they come out with. Now we have a Maybach electric vehicle and it's an SUV. Now, if you ask me, I look at it, Mercedes-Benz is just knocking on Rolls-Royce door, you know? Mm. Because you got the Cullinan and then you got the new Rolls-Royce electric range coming out soon. Mm. And you do realize that Rolls-Royce is owned by BMW, right? right? Mm-hmm. So, Mercedes and BMW have always been, you know, a little bit of, you know, silent rivals. So, since Rolls-Royce has got this, let me give you my Maybach electric car. So... Mm. It's a big vehicle. It's huge in terms of presence. It's got a you know 484 kilowatt uh, power plant, 950 newton meters of torque. 950. That's a little bit insane, lah. And it's supposed to drive really slow and comfortably, right? Yeah, but you know, <laughs> there's always that element of you know bragging rights on how much power you have under your under your uh, seating area because it's battery powered. Anyway, yeah. So 950 newton meters of torque, which means this vehicle can go from zero to hundred. Acceleration time is just 4.4 seconds. Oof. You don't really need that, but that is impressive. Yes, and you still get a driving range of about 600 kilometers, which you know the rich guy is not going to worry because his driver is the one who's going to be worried about charging it. <laughs> He's just going to say, "Bring it here, get me here." You know? Yeah. It's got a 22-kilowatt AC charging that allows full charge in 5.5 hours or a DC fast charger, 200-kilowatt. Uh, you can do it in 31 minutes, you know. These are all subject to, the, you know, the power delivery and the charging station. Yeah. The Maybach EQS is not the same as the Mercedes-Benz EQS. I see, right. Okay. So, don't, don't, don't get confused there because it's two very different vehicles. Uh in terms of luxury, in terms of features and all, it's it's a class above. So if you're thinking, oh, I know I can go and buy myself an EQS and, and, and mod it to look like a Maybach. Mm. No. You, you can maybe do the paint scheme, but that's about it, you know? In terms of the interior, the technology, the features, the cabin tech that's in the center console, it's all very specialized to Maybach. So targeted at the Rolls-Royce, the Bentley, and also the upcoming Jaguar sedans, this is the new generation electric super luxury vehicle. 
So, if it ever comes to Malaysia, I do hope that you get a test drive of this Maybach EQS SUV. And speaking of, you know, test driving electric cars, which you have been doing a lot in the last two years, Daniel, you've been right. in and out of so many electric cars. Uh, I see that, you know, the entire automotive industry, uh, the entire motoring realm, yeah, online especially, uh, yes. have been promoting, pushing, educating Malaysian uh, audience about EVs. So I guess in your line of work, uh, you guys are at the forefront of finding out for people like me who might not even right. be, uh, afford an EV, uh, what kind of experience an EV gives to you. But we're bringing up this question. It's quite interesting, Daniel. Motoring journalists, right? Like people like you, DSF.my and the rest yes. of them online. How many of you guys own EVs? What's the story here? Okay, so the reason why I wrote this article, which has now gone a little bit viral and made quite a bit of people upset. Mm. <laughs> I didn't think about upsetting anyone. It's just that after going for a few uh, electric car events, electric car test drives, I was watching these people, people in my industry. I know these cars are great, okay? Yeah. They got great driving distance. They're getting better. The prices are coming down. It's tax-free. Um, even some of the car manufacturers who sell electric cars will give a little bit more discount to a motoring journalist if he wants to buy it. It's a little bit of an advantage. I'm not talking like, you know, hundreds of thousands of ringgit. I'm talking like, you know, a few thousand here, a few thousand there. It makes a difference in, in you know, in ownership. Hmm. And I was just watching and seeing that a lot of these, these, these guys who regularly drive electric cars like me um, say fantastic things. I am a little bit less sugar and salt la, to the reviews, you know? Okay. Because I think there's still a lot more to go. Uh, I think there's a lot more development coming from battery technology. And I think there's a lot more development coming in terms of chassis technology. Because these cars are very heavy. Electric cars are very heavy. A lot of the manufacturers are just out there to sell as fast as possible. Simply because it's duty-free right now. It's the best time to sell an electric car. The government is pushing hard. Thank you, the government, for having this incentive to get more electric cars out there. But at the moment, I look at it, it's only the very rich and some middle-class people who are stretching themselves a little bit to get an electric car. So meanwhile, I see these this, this motoring guys um, giving rave reviews. And, I'm, you know, they're flying the flag so high because some of these vehicles actually have a few quirks. You know what I mean? They're not all perfect, right? Hmm. They have some quirks. Some of them are not that great looking. Some of them have features that don't work as well as they say. A lot of them do not deliver the driving distance that they claim, which is very important for someone driving an EV for the first time or thinking about going outstation. Because why? You, you think to yourself, okay, for example, they say, okay, driving distance 500 kilometers. In reality, from my experience, let's say 400 always discounted by 20%. Because why? You don't know what the driving cycle is like. You might be accelerating in one point. Another point, you might be using too much aircon because the battery pack uses power as you go. Right. And it's not like petrol where, you, you know, when you're low, you can just go into a station. You have to think where you're going to charge, how you're going to charge. Will there be a, a available charger, you know? Mm. And when I stop, can I wait there? Is it late at night? Is it early in the morning? You know, things like that. You know, during long weekends and all that. Do I really want to go outstation and risk it? You know, because everywhere is going to be crowded, right? Now, on top of that, all the car manufacturers in their instruction booklet will say, try and not use DC fast chargers because they deplete the battery faster in terms of lifespan, okay? Mm -hmm. It's in the booklet. I even didn't know this until I actually started looking at the booklet and someone advised me to say, hey, do you know it's all manufacturers, not just 
one or two. Really? They prefer AC. Yeah, they say that it's it's just like with your phone. Also, they said try not do do quick charging on your phones and and laptops. Better to use the normal slow charger. You know. And every brand tells you that. Every brand tells you that okay. somewhere in the instruction booklet, uh, the the guidelines will they'll tell you that right. even on the website, some of them even put it very obvious on the website. Like mm. the Koreans, they do it very obvious on the website mm. because they want to make sure that their cars, uh, the the electric cars, their batteries last longer than their warranty period. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're trying to make a point. Now, all this is not shared with the consumer or the intended purchaser, and you know they they just say, oh, very fast, very great, very this, very that. Okay, I I grant you the fact that you know you're you're doing a hard sell. You you got some reason to do it. I'm not judging you for that. But what I'm judging you is this: none of them bought an electric car. <laughs> as I noticed, as they were coming for events, a lot of them are driving brand new ICE cars, petrol powered cars, new cars because of the SST discount. You know, recently, right? They are all about hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty, hundred and eighty thousand ringgit. Some even two hundred, two twenty, two fifty. Now, if you can afford to buy cars like this, this is how. The electric car pricing range is right now for most of them, you know. Mm. So you can get your BYD, your Aura, Good Cat, your Neta. You can get your Smart Hashtag One, you know. Yeah. You can get your Tesla. You can get two different Teslas for that price range, mm-hmm. you know. Mm, yes. You can get your Hyundai. You know, even when the Kona came out more than a year ago, none of them bought a Kona. The Kona is a fantastic vehicle. Then you got the Renault Zoe, the latest version. Then you got the Nissan Leaf, and then you, okay lah. Let's put all this aside eh, and say, okay, why didn't any of them even lease? An electric car, which you can because do. the Nissan, yeah, the Nissan Leaf is on lease and it's it's about the same price as a petrol car. And when you lease, means you don't own it, right? So whether you're leasing an electric car or a petrol car, why don't you just lease an electric car? Since you you claim that the electric car is so wonderful, <laughs> you know, and you're flying the flag so high, sure lah, you know. I mean, as far as editorial integrity goes, I know what you mean, and I see um, how much of belief um, that motoring journalists have in electric cars. And I understand your frankness that, you know, we're we're not quite there yet in the industry. Do you think that this is a quest to remain relevant with the global motoring movement? Well, if you look at, even before I wrote this, I thought to myself, I'm going to get into some trouble. So I'm glad I did because why the comments that were coming in, I would say um, about 90% for me, and about 10% not so far on social media, which is fine. Some of them have even mentioned that even in progressive countries like America and, and, and Europe and all, it's the same situation. They're still buying ICE cars. They're still buying classic petrol-driven cars. They're still buying diesel cars. Mm. Very few of them are going into electric cars. And those who do go into electric cars are mostly tech journalists. Now, tech journalists don't test drive cars all the time. They're techies, you know what I mean? Correct. They're embracing technology. Mm. You see, like when I buy a smartphone, I use it until my battery goes or I really cannot use it or it hangs. I don't change it every year like techies. You know what I mean? Mm. When you talk about a car with a seven-year loan, come on, let's, let's think about it seriously. You know? Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. I'm not against electric cars. Please understand. I want it to develop. But let's be frank about this. We are not going to jump into an electric car just because we're test driving it and saying we love it. We do love it. We just came back from a test drive. It's a vehicle that basically just, I will use this word, blew my mind in how well it handled on a racetrack, how well it drove, and how good the build quality was. 
it was just impressive. Right. Let's let's be clear here, right? Uh, motoring journalists are not discounting the greatness of current petrol and diesel cars as well, right? They just exactly, exactly. They also saying you know petrol cars are fantastic. Mm-hmm. But it's just in the way they are promoting or bigging up EVs is something that's not sitting well with you. Yes, because mm-hmm. why? If you if you promote the EV so strongly, day after day, week after week, and all that, fine. You want to get your YouTube views. You want to get your your you know traction on social media. I'm happy for you, but why don't you drive an electric car? Why don't you you know walk the talk, talk the walk? <laughs> ah, boom! And I guess that is a good time yeah. for me to uh, leave this conversation and leave Daniel's thoughts to simmer. I guess for a couple more days until we come back with another show next week. But thanks so much for that observation, Daniel. I think uh, it's interesting. You guys in the motoring industry come from the, the, the functionality of the car as well, right? Other than Correct. the tech Correct. itself. For me, when I when I talk about a, a new car, I want to think at least three, four years. Why mm. three, four years? Because minimum you'll own the car is three, four years. Nobody sells a car after, you know, a uh, couple a of years. So, mm, you know, yeah. because of the loan, you know. Mm. And you must also think that, you know, ownership of the car, we have to look at after sales. We have to look at, you know, is 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 this company going to be around three years from now? You know, is this company going to look after its customers? Is this company going to take care of after sales? Warranty, is the warranty a factory warranty or an insurance warranty, which we've talked about before, you know? yeah. yeah. Uh, all this is important. A lot of them don't see all this because why? They're only thinking about the, the here and now. But when you get into a car, when you own a car, this is what you're looking at. And that's all we have for this week's edition of Cruise Control. If you've missed any part of the show, early on we were discussing local launches. We now have the Smart Hashtag one, Brabus model, and uh, uh, I guess a lesser variant uh, in the Malaysian market. We also saw the new Porsche Cayenne facelift model introduced Mazda 6 20th anniversary edition, Mazda 3 20th anniversary edition as well, might come to Malaysia uh, globally. BMW uh, X2 and iX2 is out. Uh, Mercedes Maybach EQS is also out there. We don't know if we're going to see that in Malaysia, but we might. Thank you, Daniel, for being on the show again. Thank you for having me and hope I'll still be here next week. <laughs> if you miss any part of our program, you can check back the podcast and I strongly recommend using our app uh, that's available on Apple App Store and Google Play or you can visit our website www.bfm.my just search cruise control in the search bar and we're going to be back same time next week so signing off my name is Ali Johan together with Daniel Fernandez Cruise Control BFM 89.9 You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.